25%. And please be advised the red fire, danger warning and the cold weather warning are in force. The news from RTHK. Andrew Work, and I'm here today with Philip Wong. Good morning, Andrew. All right, we got uh, two Canadians uh, hosting the show today, but I do want to have a shout-out to uh, the Australians. It's Australia Day, and I know the Robbie Burns dinner for the Scots is happening tonight at the Conrad from CNA Decided, so it's a big Commonwealth hello from Back Chat today. But on today's Back Chat, we're going to be talking about longer operating hours at two border checkpoints over the Lunar New Year. Shenzhen Bay will be open 24 hours a day from February 9th to 13th, the Lunar New Year. Uh, for both vehicles and people to cross the border. Lo Wu will open up two hours longer until 2 a.m. on February 9th and 11th with the connecting East Rail line extending services on these two days. The arrangement has been welcomed by many people and some have suggested that the move at Shenzhen Bay should pave way for a longer-term arrangement. And after 9.45, we are going to be finding out more about a new mental health enhancement scheme aimed at uh, Hong Kong students. And we'd love to hear from you, seriously. Pick up your phone now and call us on 233-88266 to join the discussion. You can also WhatsApp us on 6899-8518, and you can comment on our Facebook page. Please email us at backchat, uh, backchat at rthk.hk. Go for it. Uh, but going for it right now are our two guests. Good morning and welcome to Professor Ho Lok Sang, Director of the Pan Sun Tong Shanghai Economic, Pol Economic Policy Research Institute at the Department of Economics at... Lingnan University. Whew. Good morning, Professor. Good morning. And uh, doubling up on the professors today, we also welcome Professor Whitman Hung, the director of the Greater Bay Area Research Center of the China Silk Road I Valley Research Institute. Good morning, Professor Hung. Good morning. So, Professor Hung, let's start with you. Uh, the government is planning to uh, increase access, uh, smooth the flow of people between Hong Kong and the mainland, specifically at the land borders. Uh, can you give us some more details about what you know, why they're doing this, and what what impact this will have? I think there has been a call for actually opening up the uh, Shenzhen Bay uh, border crossing for 24 hours. Uh, as you know, we have seven border crossing uh, between Hong Kong and Shenzhen. But, um, you know, only one of them will open 24 hours. With the huge flow of people, you know, both in and out of the border, I mean, there's a need for, I mean, I, I myself travel to, you know, the river area about twice a week. And there are many times that I have to rush uh, because uh, otherwise I'm going to miss the 10.30 closing time of the uh, Ma Chao border. So, uh, you know, for people like me and for, and also, during the Chinese New Year uh, period, um, there will be tourists coming to Hong Kong, and a lot of them are, you know, maybe Shenzhen residents, and they want to go home instead of staying here. So really opening up the border uh, 24 hours, you know, more more 24-hour border crossing is, has been a, an urgent need uh, from a lot of people. So if you're a regular at these late-night crossings, uh what, how packed are they? Is it is it like lineups and everybody's fighting and clawing to get in and make the last train, make the last border yes. time? Yes, um, you know, uh, there was once, uh, let me tell you a story. You know, once I, it was a Sunday, I, ca I came back from Nan Shah after dinner. I was on a, you know, taxi and then uh, on the highway, it was very congested. And then I started seeing people carrying their luggages and jumping off cars and running towards the cross, uh, you know, border. Then I look at my watch, oh, it's 10 15 already. <laughs> so I actually got off on the highway as well. You know, we went over and there was a long line and, you know, everybody was trying to catch the last train and, you know, just get into the border crossing station before it closes. 
So really, um, there is a need. And then, uh, of course, I know that, uh, you know, increasing, you know, uh, uh, I mean, uh, longer open hours for my child will also mean the trains will be arranged. And that, that may be more complex. But the Shenzhen Bay, uh, you know, the bridge, I mean, really, I think uh, we can easily open it 24 hours. Uh, and then, um, there, you know, people who come from the west side of the Bay area can cross there. And then from the east side, they can still use the Wong Kong, uh, the, the old crossing station. I mean, you mentioned that they close at 10.30 p.m., which to me, it's a bit crazy. I mean, it, it seems like a little bit too early. I mean, considering, you know, what happened uh, during New Year's Eve, it's reasonable to open 24 hours during Chinese New Year period. But for other regular days, you know, is there really a need for to open 24 hours? Or I feel like, you know, at least extend, um, you know, until like 2 to th- like 1 to 2 a.m. Is that more reasonable? It is. I think, uh, of course, then we need to also consider the operation of the uh, railway because they need the night time for maintenance and everything. Uh, I also once, uh, you know, rushed back again from Guangzhou and try to catch the last train from Luo Wu. Mm-hmm. And I crossed the border at about 11.45, mm-hmm. you know, just in time to catch, catch the last train that gets to Admiralty. Because any train after that will only go to Hong Kong. So really... Um, if you, if you watch at a, a border crossing around that time, like before the closing, you always see people rushing over. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think um, there, there's, a, there's a constant, you know, it, it, considering uh, if we set one hour travel circle, it's, it's not there yet, but um, not, people are not just in Shenzhen, right? So for me, I go to uh, Guangzhou every now and then. And if you come from the Guangzhou, the last, uh, the last high-speed train is something like 10.30. And then also the Guangzhou, uh, South Guangzhou station is a bit far away from the current city center. So uh, that means that you have to finish your dinner before 9.30 if you wanted to catch the last train. Otherwise, then you have to take a taxi to Shenzhen or take a train to Shenzhen. But then you still have to rush for the uh, 12 o'clock closing time of Law Wu yeah. or the 10.30 closing time of... Uh, yeah, not uh, enough time for fun. Time. Yeah, not enough time for fun, that's for sure. <laughs> Professor Holak Song, uh, give us yeah. your take on this, this move. Uh, should they make it permanent? I think uh, um, uh, the government's uh, uh, decision uh, should respond to market demand. You know, if, as long as there's demand, uh, the government should respond to it and uh, make things convenient for, for people who, 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 who need to, to uh, cross the border. Uh, 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 if there's market demand, then you, you, you need to respond. If the market demand is doesn't exist, of course. Uh, so, it, uh, yeah. when you say market demand, do you mean the government should create a market for it and like sell no, 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 sell no, no, the slots? No. I mean, what, what do you yeah, mean market? Yeah, I mean people. People, when there's a need for it, then people, uh, then the government should respond to it. And I can see that there's a rising demand, and so uh, uh, the, uh, this decision of uh, extending the hours is definitely uh, the right approach, you know, because there's demand for it. Okay. okay, so not, not market demand, demand, just I mean demand. People, people, people are actually uh, using uh, uh, the, 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 the crossing. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, it sounds like what I'm hearing from Professor Hong is that there's, there's, a, there's a ripple out effect. The action doesn't just happen at the border, but it's clogging up trains and people are like making a dash from all parts of Hong Kong. The highways are getting clogged. Um, what kind of a broader effect or benefit could this have for the economy if we opened it up 24 hours? I can see that uh, uh, um, 
there, uh, there's a lot of demand, uh, both from consumers and also from people who, 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 who need to uh, uh, cross um, for business purposes and for work. And, uh, and all, all of this is increasing uh, uh, by the day. So, so I think uh, this is uh, just the, the right approach. Okay, very good. Professor, Professor Hong, what about the costs? Sorry? Uh, what what about the cost? Like, this doesn't come for free. The government's got to put more people out there. They, yeah, they're probably getting yeah, bonuses exactly. for late that night work. Why, that's why I'm saying that uh, you, you have to respond to, to the need. If, there, if there's a need, then there's a, a benefit. And, of course, if the benefit is larger than the cost, then, of course, the government should do it. Hey, everybody, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody yeah, needs uh, another $50,000 in their pocket, but that doesn't mean the government should pay for it. I mean, is, yeah. how, how are we going to justify spending the money on running the border 24 hours? Well, you know, the, 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 uh, just like Professor Ho just said, uh, it's not just the people having fun, but also people like me who go close to the Bay, not because I want to go there for dinner, but because I have business dealings with people out there and, you know, uh, collaborations. And really, there's a lot of economic activities happening across the border, mainly uh, for me, it's mainly in the science, science research and, and, and projects, but also um, for others. Um, you know, the, 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 the economic benefit created um, by uh, extending the hours is not just, uh, you know, people all can build early, but it will encourage people to do more of this traveling. So uh, while uh, what Professor Ho said is right, is that we should respond to market demand, but in terms of infrastructure, we should, one should know that actually sometimes supply create demand. Okay, when they first uh, opened the 24 hours for Hong Kong, nobody, the people said, oh, who wants to travel, you know, across the border at midnight? But there, nowadays, you see, it's always a lot of people there. But still, Hong Kong is not very convenient. It's, a, it's a, now, like now, it's a long, very long walking bridge because they're building a new border uh, crossing. Um, and also, there's also limited choices of, you know, buses uh, going there um, to various parts of Hong Kong. And, and also it's on the east side of Shenzhen, where Shenzhen is a large city, you know, twice the size of Hong Kong. So really, I think it makes sense at least one more uh, 24-hour crossing on the, on the west side of Shenzhen, which is the uh, bridge. Now, Professor Hong, just for argument's sake, you know, you mentioned about um, increasing the supply because the demand will gradually, you know, come if you increase the supply. Um, is, is there a need, like, obviously for Chinese New Year, having 24 hours is it's extremely reasonable. But in terms of, like, you know, any regular day, is there a need to increase right away to, like, have 24-hour borders? And I would like to ask, you know, Professor Ho, what do you think of that? Yes, what I'm saying is that the government has to uh, monitor uh, the, the needs both from consumers and from people who, who, who need uh, uh, to uh, cross uh, for work and for business. And uh, um, the, the government needs to respond to demand. The, the changing demand would uh, uh, mean that sometimes uh, uh, there, there will be a need to extend the hours, and sometimes perhaps uh, when, the, when the demand comes down, then, then the hours can be reduced. So I'm not saying that uh, you, uh, the, the government should uh, just uh, go headlong to this direction and, uh, and even though there's no demand and then you, you just keep, keep opening and then see, mm. uh, try to encourage people to, to, to make the crossings. Well, it sounds like, the point. Yeah. It sounds like, Professor, you're suggesting maybe like a flexible, you know, 
our schedules. Is, is that yeah, correct? What, what, I, what I'm saying is that mm. the, the, the government, uh, in making these decisions, has to always consider cause and benefit. Mm. And I'm saying that uh, if there is uh, um, uh, a rise in demand, and uh, uh, whether it's for business or for, 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 for fun or whatever, mm. you know, as long as there's benefit, and uh, uh, then the, the government should respond to it. You know, and of course, if the if the cost is too 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 big, then of course the government will will have to reconsider. But uh, the important thing is that uh, every decision the government makes needs to to, uh, to consider both uh, cost and benefits. Right. Uh, just a reminder to our listeners: you can call in. We want to hear from you. What do you think about what's happening at the border? Uh, have you got your own tales of late night dashes that? You didn't make, and maybe you were sitting there for five, six hours waiting for the border to reopen. Call us at 233-88266. We'd love to hear from you, and you can put a question to one of our guests. Um, gentlemen, right now, this plan, uh, we don't want to lead people astray in thinking all border crossings will be open all the time. Uh, it's, it's very narrow application. Uh, in this particular case, where the Shenzhen Bay is going to be open for 24 hours and Lo Wu is going to get a little bit of an extension, uh, are we risking a certain amount of, uh, you know, confusion in the public if they're if they're going to get mixed up about which border crossing is open when? And then if we go to changing it, you know, depending on seasonal demand and things like that, are, are we going to create more confusion than it's worth? Um, well, that's why I disagree with uh, the Professor Ho that uh, it should be elastic. I think uh, once you make it, um, it should be made public and it's on the website. I mean, I, I actually sometimes... Like last time when I said I was on the highway, I actually looked immediately go to the website and search the closing time. That was then the first time I noticed it was only if it closes at 10:30. Um, and also, nothing we need to be uh, mindful is we're not just talking about people going to Shenzhen. We're talking about people from you know other places um, uh, north who then uh, wants to come back to Hong Kong for people like me, you know, um, Nansha and, and Guangzhou. And, and today, uh, let's face it. I mean, the high speed train is great, but you know. It's not that convenient. Uh, booking a ticket ahead, uh, getting to the train station half an hour uh, beforehand, you know, all these kind of things. So really, the, the, the pedestrian crossing, uh, especially things like the Shenzhen Bay, where you can just walk across and get a taxi or a bus, it's much more flexible for people who, you know, travel on a regular basis. Gotcha. Holok Song, we know we've only got you until 20 past the hour. You want to get a final, final words in on the border crossing opening? Yes, uh I agree that uh, <clears throat> you you need to make uh, make announcements, and uh, the the changes is not ad hoc. You know, you uh, in actual fact, uh, uh, you can see that there's a pattern, and you you monitor the pattern over time, and then you 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 make the the changes in response to uh, uh, the pattern that's emerging, and uh, of course, it would be very confusing if you. Uh, keep changing uh, uh, from time to time, you know, but uh, uh, there's a pattern and I don't see uh, uh, the possibility of uh, 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 making, reversing the changes, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, in a ad hoc way. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us. That was Professor Holok Song, Director of the Pan Sun Tong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy thank Research you. Institute.
Department of Economics at Wigan University. Thanks for being on. Continue, continuing with us is Professor Whitman Hung. Uh, he's a director at the Greater Bay Area Research Center of China Silk Road I Valley Research Institute. Um, Professor Hung, I mean, uh, we've had the border open for a long time. We've had fewer and then more border crossings. Um, has anyone done run the numbers? Have there been any studies uh, on economics and economic impact of creating greater opening but on, on that, on the Hong Kong-Shenzhen border? Mm, I haven't seen anyone that actually looked at the exact economic value. It's very difficult to measure as well because we're not just talking, talking about the area around the border, right? We're talking about you know, people like me who go to Nansha and Dongguan and other places through this you know, border crossing. Um, and also, I think this is just the beginning. Um, I did a research about two years ago for the NDRC on the uh, cross-border economic belt. Um, and then at that time, we were thinking of how to build up more industries, uh, you know, around the uh, different borders. Of course, the world, we're all looking at the loop with uh, all the tech, uh, technology and research and, 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 and uh, you know, uh, new industrialization. But also on the west side, uh, where uh, in the Hongshuiqiu area, where you can have commercial area facing Shanghai and try to give this uh, cross-border uh, services, you know, cross-border business services such as you know, accounting and, and finance and, and others and insurance. So really, um, this kind of building up infrastructure and allowing um, you know cities to collaborate and, and businesses to collaborate in an easier way. By itself, it's very important. It's uh, hard to measure, uh, at least I think, uh, you know, in the traditional studies on this kind of cross-border economies, usually just focus on things like retail, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and, and border, uh, border area services. But really what we're saying is, no, people from CyberCourt might be, you know, collaborating with Dongguan, and they still have to cross the border. If we're just talking about you know you know business between Hong Kong, Shenzhen, and the Greater Bay, Bay Area, you know I, I think there should be you know other things to consider instead of you know looking at you know the hours of the border crossing, such as the multiple entry visa. Is that something that we should be looking into again? Well, there's a few other things which is really I think urgent. Number mm -hmm. one, if there's still a restriction of uh, mainland tourists from Shenzhen coming to Hong Kong maximum once a week. Okay, they used to be able to come on a multiple entry visa, but uh, during CY Leung's day, because of the so-so sentiment, mm. they limit that into once per week. This is one of the reasons why I have to travel so much into uh, Shenzhen is because they can't come here easier, mm -hmm. you know, easily like me. Okay, uh, another thing is uh, um, there was a lot of discussion about uh, making the high-speed train like the MTR, so you can buy a ticket and just pop on the train. Mm -hmm. Instead of, you know, to book uh, really ahead and then uh, get to the uh, West Tower Station 40 minutes beforehand to, to settle all these things. You know, I myself had uh, many times that I have to change train uh, because of some, you know, schedule, uh, slight delay. And I had to wait for another 45 minutes to half an hour because I have to buy a new ticket or change the ticket to a much later date. It's very inconvenient. Mm. So um, really uh, making the uh, high-speed high train uh, like the MTR, where you can just buy the ticket, get in and get mm -hmm. off, uh, at least within the Shenzhen area, you know, the North Station and the uh, uh, Putian Station, it's very important. Mm. What, what about commercial impact? I mean, if, if uh, truckers and people that are bringing essential goods to Hong Kong 
everything we eat every day. Uh, how are they going to be affected by these border crossing changes? Or, or were they-, it, 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 they, they will benefit a little bit, but I think right now um, they already have the, the right way of doing it. So I'm not sure you know, it will really increase a lot on times of uh, cargo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but really, I think that from people's side, it's more important. Really? So you don't think there'll be that much of an impact from the from the economic side if people are able to, you know, let their trucks go through when traffic's not as busy, in, you know, in the middle of night, in which case they'll save on gas. We might be able to increase, you know, the speed of packages that are being delivered, whether they're legal there, documents there, or... There will be, but uh, if you look at, um, number one, the uh, cargo crossing, these kind of land borders are decreasing. Okay, they're, they're, they're no longer very long lines uh, uh, crossing uh, because A, they travel by river, and B, there are a lot of ports up there already. So really, this kind of transshipment, um, there's still a lot, uh, mainly for the Chalapco Airport, uh, for air cargo. But mm-hmm. in terms of the traditional kind of uh, cargo, um, you know, it's actually the, the demand has decreased over the years. Right. I've got a comment here, uh, an email that we got from Ilner. And he says, uh, it's great to see that Hong Kong is taking steps to boost tourism and extending the operating hours at checkpoints during the festive period is indeed a positive move. However, I, meaning Ilner, uh, has a slight reservation regarding this initiative. He wonders if it will discourage mainland tourists from staying overnight and instead opt for day trips to Hong Kong. Uh, To address this concern, it would be beneficial for the Hong Kong Tourism Board to introduce new incentives aimed at encouraging tourists to stay for longer periods. For example, they could consider offering travel concessions or other attractive benefits that would incentivize tourists to spend more time exploring the city and staying in hotels. Um, what do you think about, I mean, he's kind of got a solution before we've confirmed there's actually a problem. But what do you think about, you know, people only taking day trips? Is that... Uh, it's very common. I mean, if you look at the price of hotels in Hong Kong, the price of hotels in Shenzhen, okay, really, um, I mean, for, for uh, a lot of people, unless you really want to spend a few days here in Hong Kong. Otherwise, you know, I'll go back. On the other hand, for people like me who are on business and, and they're traveling, I wouldn't go home. You know, I, I really hate staying in hotels. I've been in staying in hotels too many times already. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go, as long as it's, uh, you know, if, if it's within the Guangdong provinces, I always try to go home instead of staying overnight over there. So, so it's both sides, if you think about it, you know, it's, uh, for people who come here really on business, um, you know, they, they may not want to stay in a, in a business hotel and then the next morning they may not have a business meeting. So they want to finish everything and then go home. I think it's uh, one but- of... Sorry, I think it's one of the reasons why we saw all of those, you know, f- photos at, at Zhengshui Station um, at New Year's Eve, like people like, you know, sleeping in, in the station. It's basically because like a lot of the people now, you know, it, it, they're shifting towards like a day, day trip, right? So that's right. one of the reasons why we have to do a 24 hours during the Chinese New Year period. I mean, the, the 24 hours, it's really for the tourists, as you mentioned, right? And also for people, uh, businesses. As I said, uh, Good Bay is actually a big area. It's mm. not really a one-hour travel circle yet. Um, so for, for me to go to Guangzhou and have a series of meetings and then finish it with a dinner, coming back, it's always almost past midnight. Mm. So a lot of time I have to go to the Hong Kong, uh, which is, is acceptable, but it's just that if I had a choice of going to the Chinese uh, Bay area, I probably could drive from there. And also, uh, if the uh, train uh, at Lot Ma Chao can, you know, extend it a bit longer than 10.30, 
same time I, I can easily travel by a train. Um, I, I don't, I have never been, uh, you know, delayed and stay uh, six hours in Shenzhen waiting for the next morning. You know, if I miss the cross border, the, which I did in the past, like I missed the Longwu station, then I just take a taxi and go to Hong Kong. Mm. And I may end up at a, a, arriving home at about 3 a.m. in the morning, but I still want to go home. Okay, so, so you're saying, oh, I didn't realize that. Are there, are there some border crossings that were already 24 hours? That's one. Yeah, the, the, the Hong Kong is already there. It's been there for, for I don't know, for at least a decade. Okay, so, so, we, so we want to give people more options then. Do you think they should just go for it and make all seven of them 24 hours? Or do you think it's better to have uh, a... No, I think, I think having two, one mm-hmm. on the east and one on the west, is already good enough. Uh, mm-hmm. And then extending the uh, train station at, uh, uh, at uh, Lok Ma Chao to 12 o'clock, like the same as the Law Wu, I think that should already uh, uh, to satisfy a lot of demand. All right. Well, that that could definitely help out. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the show this morning, Professor Whitman Hung, who's a director at the Greater Bay Area Research Center of the Silk Road I-Valley Research Institute. Uh, Just keeping an eye, we're going to have the weather. Just a reminder that you can get online with us in the second half of the show by calling us at 233-88266 because we want to hear from you. Quick hit on the weather, mainly cloudy and dry, cold in the morning, sunny periods throughout the day, max temperature of around 18 degrees, which sounds good. Outlook for the weekend, call in the morning and at night over the weekend, sunny periods on Sunday. Right now at RTHK Radio 3, where it's 14 degrees Celsius, 64% humidity, this is Backchat. And now the news on RTHK 3. The Foreign Ministry in Beijing has announced that Foreign Minister Wang Yi will hold talks with the U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan in Bangkok. Mr. Wang is due to arrive in the Thai capital today for a four-day visit. The White House confirmed that Mr. Sullivan would travel to Bangkok for the talks. An environmental scientist says providing more recycling points for food waste can help Hong Kong reduce the amount of disused food going to landfills. Jonathan Wong, director of the Hong Kong Organic Resource Center at Baptist University, said Hong Kong recycles less than 10% of the 3,000 tons of food waste we generate every day. And Apple has announced that from March, people using its devices in the European Union will be able to download apps from rivals and not just from its own store, as is currently the case. The decision represents a major U-turn for the iPhone manufacturer. I'll have more news at 10. Pyrotechnic effects are common in concerts, but be aware that these materials are regulated by the government. Buying them online and using them without authorization are illegal. Improper use may cause burns and fire hazards. You may even be jailed. To use pyrotechnic materials for producing special effects in entertainment programs, you must obtain a permit from the relevant authority and a qualified special effects operator must be in charge. Also, plan your escape routes. Contact Create Hong Kong to know more. I'm Dr. Edmund Lam. Seniors, the COVID-19 virus still exists in the community. As the elderly are at higher risk, for the sake of your health, don't take it lightly. Scientific data shows that those with stable health can receive COVID-19 vaccines. Families of the elderly should take them to designated general outpatient clinics, elderly health centers, private clinics, or public hospitals as soon as possible to get COVID-19 jabs in time. And we're back on Back Chat. It's Andrew Work and Philip Wong. And uh, while our 
people in the uh, the the studio try to light up our next guest who's supposed to be coming on. Uh, Philip, uh, we're talking about the government's plans to extend the opening hours at uh, some of some of our specific border crossings. We have seven border crossings uh, from Hong Kong through mm-hmm. to Shenzhen. Of course, I'm not including the bridge, which takes you over to the other side of the river. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the plans are now that Shenzhen Bay will be open 24 hours a day from February 9th to 13th uh, for vehicles and people. And they're going to have the Low Wu border is going to be open another two hours until 2 a.m. on February 9th and 11th. Uh, and the East Rail service is also going to be extended on those days. Uh, Sounds like, you know, you can get a little bit more partying in, you know, <laughs> yeah. a, little, a little more late night action. I mean, if you were previously trying to catch a border that closed at 10, mm-hmm. no, nothing too exciting was going to happen in uh, that night. Um, Philip, I mean, for you, how, how often are you using the, uh, the border crossing? Do you ever use it late at night? Hardly. I mean, I haven't been back to mainland China for, I guess, 10, 15 years. But you know what? You know, this, this, this plan to open 24 hours um, during China's year is much needed. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you remember back in... Uh, New Year's Eve, yeah. where everyone afterwards, you know, literally tried to go back to uh, Shenzhen. It was mm. horrendous. You know, those photos, I remember seeing photos of uh, the Shengsui MTR station where people were just literally sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. I, knew, I knew people that were wandering around the MTR at mm. late night after the New Year's Eve parties. And they came across these people. And of course, the new, it hadn't hit the news cycle yet. And they were mystified. At, like, what are all yeah. these people doing? And they, they weren't all up at the border. They were kind of at MTR stations all over Hong Kong. Well, exactly. You know, which makes me wonder if, you know, we, they, actually the Law Wu should open for 24 hours at least for a couple of days instead of just opening until... 2 a.m. I mean, they've done it before, you know, I think Christmas, Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, they open 24 hours. Why not open 24 hours during those two, three days? I know you have to do maintenance, right? You know, with trains. Sure. I'm no engineer, yeah. but I'm, uh, surely you can open 24 hours for, for an extra day or two, right? Yeah, I'm sure they've just got to work out the cost benefit analysis, uh, mm-hmm. which I don't think anybody's really done. I mean, if you're going to open the, a single border crossing for an extra couple of hours, Fine, it's not going to be that much more expensive. But if you're planning on a wholesale all seven, all the time, yeah, you know, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna cost more. Yeah. Um, you know, and the other question that I have is like the bridge. We have the bridge uh, that was built, and you know, I guess that's great for people going back over to the to the other side. Uh, and the high speed rail is another one. I mean, and mm-hmm. if those have taken any pressure off of land crossings, you know, walk, walk across crossings at the border, maybe, maybe not. Oh, sounds good. I'm just going to remind our uh, our listeners today that this in particular is a great day to call in at uh, 233-88266 uh, to come and tell us what you think or share some insights uh, that you have uh, about the border crossing and more opening. Um, Philip, we also have this issue of like people coming and making day trips and not staying mm-hmm. overnight in the hotels. And I'm, I am really questioning whether or not there's going to be a rebalancing of uh, Hong Kong and Shenzhen hotel prices. I doubt it. I think you know Shenzhen is obviously much more um, less costlier, you know, mm. in term, when compared to Hong Kong. So you know, Hong Kong hotels won't be able to compete with Shenzhen. And I feel you know this day trip um, <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah, sure. it, it's here to stay. You know, so in in some ways, everyone here in Hong Kong needs to you know find find a shift. Um, yeah, they need to find the businesses here. They need to find a shift, as in, like, how do we attract you know more customers coming in and then allowing them to leave right after? Because that's the trend right now, isn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe if they opened up the border 24-hour and uh, loosened restrictions for work permits, Hong Kong mm-hmm. hotels could lower their cost base so they could lower their prices by having cheaper labor coming in. But, I mean, that's going to make a lot of people really Upset. unhappy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's it's difficult. I mean, I, I, I question whether we need to open 24 hours on a, a – if we need to open 24 hours on a regular basis, I mean, Hong Kong now, we're, we're, we're losing a lot of money, <laughs> you know. And then if, if, if we open 24 hours, there's going to be extra cost to that. I mean, sure, you can argue that it's not a lot, but, you know, you add, these things add up. Yeah. So, well, I mean, if Hong Kongers are thinking about staycations, now might be the time. Uh, with my day job at the Self Storage Association mm. Asia, we're having our big conference mm. uh, in Hong Kong. We've mm. chosen to come to Hong Kong. We mm. move it around in different cities in Asia. Mm. And uh, there are some, I mean, we were looking at hotel deals for our members that are going to be coming in. For that. Some spectacular deals. I mean, really shocked at like five star. Uh, four and five star hotels going for under a thousand Hong Kong a night. Oh wow! Yeah, so I mean, I think I think that maybe that rebalancing is already beginning. Uh, we have an email from David who says uh, goes to this point. He says if ho- if hotels in Hong Kong weren't so expensive, more people would stay here. Having day trips is a – am I allowed to say a dam? Oh, I just did. Uh, maybe he's referring to a beaver dam. He says, having day trips here is a damn nuisance because it means all the buses are full for the locals living here so we can't get to work or come home on time. Well, I mean, transportation is always an issue. Uh, Chi Tang says, for once – I agree with Professor Ho's cost-benefit approach. Okay, I guess there's, there's a time for everything. Uh, Chi Tan continues, but in this case, the onus should be on the individual, not for the government. A cross-border fee for anyone opting to cross the border mm. after the normal closing hour. It'll then be up to the individual to decide whether it's worth staying overnight or crossing the border. The fee should be based on the incremental cost to the public purse to keep the border open. Professors like uh, people like Professor Hung will these high-sounding activities on the mainland. I am sure not mind paying the extra cost to continue with the activities that matter so much to Hong Kong. So Chi Tong thinks, yeah, he. he I think I think Professor uh, Professor Hung wasn't suggesting a market. He kind of accidentally did, and then walked it back. But Chi Tong likes this idea of people pay. Uh, Philip, what do you reckon? If you had to pay an extra hundred bucks to go after midnight, you're sitting there, you're drinking, whooping it up with your friends. You're like, oh, I got to go. And they're like, ah, <laughs> just pay the hundred bucks and take the late. I mean, if no, I was yeah. in Shenzhen, then maybe I would stay over in Shenzhen, you know, considering the cost is much lower. If I was in Hong Kong, though, and, I, and if I was a Shenzhener, <laughs> there's a term for that, yeah. and I came down to Hong Kong and I, know, and I had to pay an extra hundred bucks just to go back up, then why not? I mean, if I want to stay, I'm not going to stay here because... You know, obviously, hotel costs more expensive. Sure, you'd be yeah. willing to take a hundred dollar hit. Yeah, yeah. Five, yeah. Okay, so there, there we have it. Uh, we've got, I think, we've got one more email before we. No, okay. Thank you very much. We are moving on to the next part of our show, ladies and gentlemen. That's been our talk today on the opening of the border. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on two double three double eight two double six and have your say. All right, it's Andrew Work and Philip Wong on Back Chat. Just a reminder, of course, you can call us at 233-88266 to ask some questions from our next guest, who is Professor Ricky Kwok, the Vice President of Research and Student Development at Hong Kong Metropolitan University. Good morning, Professor Kwok. Good morning. Now, please just call me Ricky. Okay, Ricky, we'll do. Hey, so Ricky, you guys have launched a new uh, program focused on students' mental health at Hong Kong Metropolitan University. Why? Tell us the why. Well, 
I mean, if you look at the news recently, um, mm. you know, these youngsters are having a huge problem. And uh, we believe that this is really an education endeavor. We are not trying to um, do some remedial stuff. We, 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 we want to look at the, the roots of the problem. Uh, because the thing is, uh, what, what, we, is, what is the problem? The problem actually is, I mean, one of the one of the angles to look at this problem is uh, developing uh, very serious mental health issues is not an overnight thing. It's a progression. Right? You 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 begin with some emotional you know problems, and then if you don't treat them, and then over time. We don't support you develop into some very serious problems, right? I think that's common sense. Sure. Uh, right, right now, uh, what we have usually in institutions or universities, we have counseling services. But when you need counseling services, you are already in a very, you know, problematic situation. So what we have in mind is why don't we start at the beginning, like, you know, like primary care, right? You, you don't wait until you have, you know, heart disease to treat the heart disease. You try to be healthy right, day by day. You try to do exercises. You eat clean. Right? <clears throat> so a similar idea here. We try to build a safety net on campus so that everyone will have uh, correct awareness and uh, knowledge about mental health issues so that they don't wait until the problems become very difficult to solve and see the counselors. Okay. And, and how is your program going to help in that direction? Yeah, to do that, uh, what we have in our plan is to have every Hong Kong MU students to finish a mental health first aid course, which is a 12-hour course, an internationally recognized course uh, in collaboration with the Mental Health Association of Hong Kong. So every one of our students will need to go through that eventually. That's our ultimate goal. But uh, in the first year, we'll try to work with the first year freshmen, uh, which amounts to about 2,000 students. So uh, I just I just want to ask uh, Ricky. You know, last month there's an article that came out and mentioned about they they, they surveyed around 330,000 students, I believe, and four percent considered you know committing suicide. You know, is is your is your initiative you know planning to tackle that yes uh, ultimately we mm. we want to tackle that but as i said earlier we we don't want to wait until you have that four percent mm. we want to make sure everyone will have a correct awareness right? they can tackle the problems much earlier uh, before they develop into you know having suicidal thoughts mm. I mean, I, I, one of the main main things though is to I guess look at why they're having suicidal thoughts, or, or what 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 made them think of like you know pressure them into this situation. Like, have you been able to research into that and understand more? Yeah, I think I can answer that from a different angle. Mm. Uh, when we look at you know our own data, uh, you know we 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 check why students you know phone in and ask for help like, mm. over the years, and we also look into the literature. The number one issue that we discover is the transition. Like after they graduated from high schools, they move into the university, they have a whole new life, right? mm. a whole new timetable, mm. you know, different friends, different format of studying. Mm. That creates a lot of stress 
to them. Right? That's the number one issue. But there are other, you know, numerous other issues like relationships, a right? family relationship, interpersonal relationship, or even, uh, you know, uh, love relationship. Right? It's also uh, very common uh, issues, but but nothing compared with the transition. So these are the 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 uh, uh, you can call the the initial triggers for their for their emotional deterioration. But when you ask me why they develop suicidal thoughts, I, I think that's a big topic. Mm. That, that's probably a little bit farther down the line. You said that you're introducing a course you eventually want all students to do. Mental aid, was it mental health first aid? Yes. What does that look like? I mean, I know what a first aid kit looks like. I've done first aid courses. I don't think I've ever heard of or seen a mental health first aid. Uh, what would you learn in a 12-hour course on mental health first aid? Yeah, you, you will learn about, uh, you know, uh, some awareness issues that like try to be able to uh, differentiate right, some emotional problems uh, like uh, you know depression, uh, stress, you know uh, even uh, the symptoms of uh, some incipient uh, mental disorder, uh, you know self hurt uh, behaviors. So you will be able to make correct observations not only for yourselves but people around you. Di- diagnostics. Yeah, diagnostic kind of uh, skills, mm. you might call it, yeah. So, I mean, but if I take regular first aid, I learn how to take care of minor bruises, you know, contusions, uh, somebody sprains an ankle, things like that. It's quite obvious what the problem is. If we train everybody on mental health first aid, uh, are we going to have a whole bunch of little amateur Freuds running around, psychoanalyzing their friends, trying to be, are you okay? Are you okay? You said this. Are you okay? Are you okay? I mean, are we going to turn everybody in? Like, everybody's kind of like, you know, trying to play Sherlock Holmes and their friends' brains to see if they're damaged? You know, uh, it's not so dramatic. It's really like, okay, uh, you know, if you, if, you, if you look at me, I mean, you, you find me, you know, in a, in a very bad mood. And then what, what, what would you do? Like, you would drag me out for a beer, right? Yeah, that yeah, would probably, yes. Yeah, well, you know me. You know me, Ricky. Yes, I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think what we expect is something like this. So people would be able to support each other by just doing some very common sense stuff. Like, you know, why don't we go for a beer? Why don't we go for a football game? Just drop this for now. We'll tackle this tomorrow. That kind of thing. It's not like going around and being Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a men's mental health ad that was airing. I think it was in the UK, a couple of guys at a soccer match, and it shows them at repeated events, the two guys, and the one just always looks miserable. Everybody else is having a good time. Everybody's, you know, and, and, and the guy and his friend that's with him, there's two of them. The one guy's always right into it. He's having a great time, but the one guy's always super grumpy, and they kind of like show them at one game, another one, and another one to establish a pattern. And then, you know, kind of the kicker is then they show the grumpy guy still there. And the guy that looked like he was happy all the time is gone. And they're, I guess they're suggesting he committed suicide or something. Um, and, I mean, the message is um, that the person that looks like they're having a good time might not be. The, that might be where the problem is. And somebody who, you know, isn't the life of the party, maybe they're, you know, actually fine or in better shape. I mean, where, where does your mental health first aid program kind of help people to find those more subtle signs? Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, you, you described a very, very, uh, you know, reasonable uh, scenario. And, and we, we, amongst our circles of friends, we, we have people like that. Right? That's true. And that's exactly the, one of the goals of the course. Right? You, you also develop self-awareness. 
Although you might be smiling, you know, you you play football with friends and then you go out for a beer, but it doesn't mean you are very happy. It doesn't mean you have your problem solved. Then you will know that you need some further help. Right? Like, okay, maybe I should go for a meditation, meditation class. Uh, maybe I should even try to see a counselor for some initial diagnostics. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of skills we want everyone to have so that they won't, you know, as you described, uh, just treat nothing is happened. I, I'm still playing football. I'm still going for beer. So nothing is wrong. Right? We don't want them to think like that. Mm. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned one of the biggest challenges uh, that the students face is transition between secondary to university. But I wonder, you know, is is there also a need to help those in secondary or even within primary? Because, you know, those those... Those days in primary and secondary, it's still quite stressful for them. So, I mean, is there going to be like a scheme or a plan for those those people? Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you, you asked a very, very good question. Uh, we didn't really have a chance to elaborate, mm. uh, for example, in yesterday's uh, media briefing. Mm. Uh, our plan actually is after our campus has developed to a certain extent of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, mental health uh, you know, enhancement, but let mm. me put it this way. Mm. We will go out to the community to help other people, mm. right? like the high schools or primary schools around the region. Right? We start from our own campus, mm. right? trying to work with the NGOs in the nearby districts mm-hmm. so that we can go into schools and let them know this concept and maybe send our mental health ambassadors to help them. Mm. So this is exactly our plan, but this will be like phase two. I see. So there is a plan to expand further beyond from your current uh, scheme, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is it generationally specific? Because I mean, there, there's there's quite a you know there's a thing about how different generations you know consider the issue of mental health. I mean, boomers and Gen Xers suck it up. You know, you self medicate <laughs> with booze and illegal drugs and <laughs> stiff upper lip and carry on, depending on where you're from. Um, but then it seemed like millennials were the ones that all of a sudden woke up and were all running around talking about their mental health issues all the time. Uh, and Gen Z seems to have picked up on that as well. You're, you're dealing with students that I guess would be Gen Z. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, is, are, are these kind of generationally specific because different generations have different ways of talking about mental health? I think it's hard to say, uh, and I must confess that I'm not an expert in this area, so I don't, I don't have, uh, you know, real data to back me up. But I believe that uh, one thing that we can say for sure is the the younger generations they have a very uh, different uh, like ecosystem in their relationships. Mm-hmm. Like when when you talk about my generation, right, we we just you know we go to school and then we we play football after school. And then we, we, we try to chase around girls and there's lots of social activities. We don't have computers. We don't have smartphones at that time. Mm. So our time would be spent on people, mm. real people, physically, right? But nowadays, uh, you know, you, you can't deny that much of our time would be spent on devices, right? Computers, yep. sure. right? social medias. Mm-hmm. So you don't have much time left for real people, physical activities. I guess that might be one of the challenges the younger generations are facing. Yeah, there does seem to be a bit of a growing narrative that uh, the, the time spent on devices is literally causing brain damage <laughs> in terms of emotional growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and on the other hand, uh, when we talk about our generation, another angle is that our generation, we didn't have such medical support. Right? Maybe my friends or myself, 
you know, actually went through a very difficult stage, but we are lucky that we, 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 we got through it. But some other friends of, of ours might not be so lucky and they, and they didn't make it. We don't know. So, so this is very hard to say. I'm just wondering if, uh, you know, when you were uh, devising this uh, enhancement scheme, were you looking at case studies, like, you know, maybe from different cities or countries that have already a good, um, you know, mental health plan? Did you look into any of those? Yeah, 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 definitely. We we, we give reference to, you know, more advanced countries, so to speak, like uh, Canada, Australia. Uh, Because, for example, in in Canada, uh, when we look into the universities, Mm. Uh, they would develop some uh, online platform that, uh, you know, uh, people, the users are anonymous. Mm. Like they can post uh, queries, they can post questions uh, without people knowing their identity. And they can just vent out, you know, some of their stresses. And and there will be, of course, people monitoring this kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, discourse, if you like. And, and they will reach out to, uh, to see if this uh, anonymous user would really need help, right? If they respond positively, then they may take it offline. Right? So they, they have some more advanced uh, online or technology-based means to do that. But now we, we don't have this yet in Hong Kong, I believe. So it's just basically, you know, one step at a time. Your scheme is like one small step, and hopefully, you know, it will help improve the mental health of the students in the future. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we hope. Yeah. Are other universities in Hong Kong picking up on your program and, and you know, want to see if they might want to implement it over at their, their schools, taking it beyond uh, Hong Kong Metropolitan? Uh, so far, I, I, I don't find that yet. But, but, you know, to be fair, all the universities, they have their own, you know, counseling services and, and their means to tackle this problem. But we are just trying to be a little bit more ambitious in the sense that we try to build up this whole safety net Everyone will have a, you know, reasonable level of awareness about the issues, and then in phase two, we'll reach out to help others in the region. You know, I think it's a cultural thing. Like, you know, you're saying like, you know, all the students will need to go into this, uh, you know, first aid course, mental health first mental, aid, yeah. mental health first aid course. But I, I, I just, I just wonder if you know, most of the students would just go in and just, and just have that mentality where it's like, oh, you know, it's just, I'm just there for the, for the, for the day and listen, and, and that's it. You know, you know, are there plans to make sure that you know they're really listening and and taking, I guess, notes? Yeah, they're gonna have to write an exam. Yeah. Yeah, there will be exam. Uh, there will be exam, and and uh, we will also try to gauge the effectiveness of the course by giving them uh, pre and post survey questionnaires. Mm-hmm. So before the class started, starts, we will give the students the questionnaire to gauge their level of awareness and their their willingness to help and their understanding of uh, you know the uh, the uh, various issues about mental health. And then uh, in the class, they will have a final exam. And they will need to pass the exam before they can get a certificate. Oh, and really? after the class, then we'll, we'll, we'll follow up with another questionnaire to see whether they have improved senses in this area. Huh. Like a questionnaire like, how many of your friends have you discovered with mental health problems? <laughs> I, I don't have the questions with me now, so I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't judge your speculation. But, but we'll definitely gauge uh, whether they, they, ha- they have improved. Awareness, right? but they, this course, this, okay. this, this course is uh, mandatory, right? So, what, what happens if a student does, doesn't actually attend? Are there any like repercussions? Uh, you mean students they they refuse to take yeah. the course? Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, we when we say that this is mandatory, that means it will be built into the graduation requirements. Mm. So that's why we start with the first year students. Right? Mm. But for current students, 
when they first enter the university, we didn't have that requirement. So mm-hmm. we have to have a process to to make sure they will do it. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, that will take some time. But meantime, uh, if they want to do it, uh, we are more than welcome to take them on. But for new cohorts starting in September this year, uh, we will put this into a graduation requirement. Although it's not credit bearing, right, they still have to get through this before they will get their mm-hmm. diploma. After four years. It's interesting you're doing it across the whole student body because presumably, A, you would be able to measure if mental health improves or if you had fewer issues with mental health. But I suspect the opposite. I suspect you're going to have a pandemic of mental health issues because people are, you know, when people become more aware of it, everybody's going to be, oh, I've got a mental health issue. I've got a mental health issue. Whereas before, people would have been like, oh, whatever, I'm just stressed out. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. But, but I want to, you know... Uh, take a more nuanced way of look at this. We, sure, we will so-called, quote-unquote, discover more cases. But those cases are, by and large, not serious cases. Let me put it this way. They will be just like, you know, minor problems, simple issues that we can easily, you know, solve those uh, things without using the uh, counselors. Because as I said at the beginning, when you need to see the counselor, you are in big trouble already. Yeah. So we don't expect that we will have deep trouble cases, uh, you know, ramping up. But we will expect some minor cases, uh, uh, you know. Uh, that hopefully uh, you can have a positive impact early on before things get worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll have other means. Basically, we have other means to to take care of those minor issues so that we'll, we'll so-called uh, not get in the butt. Right? So this is uh, things that... Just like what I, 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 I tried to use an example before. Like, let's go out for a beer. Right? That sure. would already solve it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to uh, – we're wrapping up. I've got our producers handed us a number of uh, phone numbers he wants me to get into for resources for people to get some help. So I'm going to thank – thank you, Ricky. Uh, Professor Ricky Kwok is the Vice President of Research and Student Development at the Hong Kong Metropolitan University. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Great. Um, yeah, as I said, our producer did pass me some numbers. Uh, if you're feeling a little bit down, you might want to call one of these numbers, the 24-Hour Samaritans Multilingual uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is at uh, 2896-0000. There's also a Suicide Prevention Services phone number at 2382-0000. Uh, as well, the Samaritans have the Samaritans Befrienders line in Hong Kong, which you can call at 2389-2222. And there is a Society for the Promotion of Hospice Care, which is available at 2868-1211. Those are all resources that you can uh, access uh, right now, if you like, by calling those numbers. we just like to remind everybody that uh, we're making an extra push to encourage people to call in to us at 233-88266 if you want to participate in our discussion today or another day on back chat um and we're going to be having a lot more back chat we're going to be back uh burning up the airwaves with myself i'm going to be on with mike rouse it's uh always a dynamic duo nitro and glycerin uh also exciting to be on with philip wong i love that too thanks for coming for joining me today philip thanks for having me andrew always a pleasure uh, i'd also like to thank our producer rafael blette de la france and audio engineer james lungs killing it over there today have a great weekend everybody this has been back chats